Lord is with us, and he is very, very faithful in all that he does. So uh, the Bible says that we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And uh, we've talked about here about worship in the last couple of weeks, and we talked about the fact that thanksgiving actually opens the, the door for worship. So I want you to reflect upon that. The other thing is, is that ever how you've come or come through the rain and some of the dreary weather is remember is that as we focus upon the Lord, as we uh, gaze upon him, as we worship him, because this is about God and worshiping him is not about our feelings and all these other things, although he, he is so good about ministering to us. But this is about God. Many of you have had some really some challenging uh, couple of weeks here through this time. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I'm going to just wish you a Happy New Year. We're going to do another teaching today, some things I feel like are so important as we enter into the new year, and uh, we'll share that as we proceed. Jennifer, Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 23. We're going to be moving around in the Bible a little bit today. I want to talk about something I think is so important when we look to this new year. And these are three prayers that cultivate a passion for Jesus Christ. You know, Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbors yourself. I'm focusing this year on intimacy with Jesus Christ. A passion for Jesus. We're going to talk about that. And I, I, these are prayers that I think are so important. The ones I'm going to share with you. And then I'm going to, three prayers that I just turn me every which way but loose. As far as my relationship with the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, John. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1. Here we go. And Jennifer is queuing this stuff up for me. Thank you. We'll look at it all together. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's all right there. I keep asking God the Father that you would that, that the Spirit of the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know Jesus more. That's my prayer, that we would know Jesus more and more, right? Uh, I want to know him and to be known by him. And so these prayers are very important. And then we'll look over at Ephesians chapter 3, if you can pull it up, Jennifer. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And we'll look till the end of the chapter there, which is actually verse 21. I love it. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his, in, his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long 
and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The prayer, two prayers that are really important that I believe. I've been praying these prayers for a long time and I keep praying and will continue. When I say that I've been doing these things, it's not to have the focus on me, but I want to I mention what I've, I feel is important. Now, the whole word of God, the total counsel of the word is so beautiful and so awesome. But these certain things stick out as far as my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray these every day. I've been praying them now for several years and praying that my inner man would be strengthened with all power. Probably one of the most important prayers that you can pray. That your inner man, the in your innermost being, would be strengthened with all power. That you'll know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge gets beyond just our head and gets down into our hearts because he loves us. He loves us beyond anything we can ever imagine. And God wants to. He says, I want I keep, Paul says, I, I'm, I'm praying that, I, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation or revealing in our hearts that you may know him better. And so these things we pray for because these are prayers in Ephesians and they're prayers that Paul prayed in Colossians also that we can pick up on. In fact, you can pray the whole word of God back to him. But these are ones that Paul obviously thought were very important and that we can see why as you study here in the word of God. I mentioned in the last couple of weeks, my vision has been, is not necessarily to fill buildings with people, but to fill people with God. To fill people with God. Amen. I believe in all of us being ministers. I believe all of us can pray for the sick just like you prayed for me, and I, I appreciate that, those prayers. I really do. I believe all of us are being equipped to obviously do what God's called us to do, and we're not just pew sitters, are we? We're ministers unto the Lord, and we're ministers to other people. And in preparation, what I believe God's doing and could very well do in our lifetime, and I've talked about the preparations of the bride of Christ without spot, and without blemish, and without wrinkle. And you go, man, I'm all wrinkled up, and all blemished up. We all know our faults, don't we? But God has a way of doing things when we cooperate with his spirit. But as we prepare for that, one of the greatest things we can have is a passion for Jesus Christ, a love for him. I pray for that every day. I pray, Holy Spirit, and this is how I pray. And I use sort of acronyms at times, you know, and I've mentioned it several times over the last few months. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, impart to me a passion for the Father and for Jesus and for you into my heart. And Holy Spirit, give me a love for people. Because on my own, I don't, I don't necessarily love people, okay? It has to be a work of God in my heart. I don't know about you. Some people just naturally, they just seem to be like that. But God's got to do a big work on Jim Barclay. But I want to tell you, he does that. And these are prayers that he wants to answer. And so when we think about here, what does the new year hold? I believe that it holds 
a greater, greater, greater thrust and a greater dimension or greater, obviously, impartation of the Holy Spirit of our intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you today these prayers that we can pray to be able to do that. So our vision is to fill people with God and not necessarily just to fill buildings with people. Nothing wrong with that at all and, and so forth. But my, my thrust is Matthew 22, to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and love my neighbors, myself. That's his, because Jesus said those were the two most important. Everything could be summed up as far as the commandments are concerned. When you're loving God, sin doesn't come in as easily, does it? When you're loving God with all your heart, then sometimes your thought life's maybe cleaned up or whatever it may be. Or your motives or your attitudes or, or your actions or what comes out of your mouth may change because you're loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So when you've got those things right, the other things in our Christian walk seem to just come in and walk in the way that God has called us to walk. And so we'll look at it. If you'll look at John chapter 1, John chapter 1, Jennifer, and verse 17. She's already got that. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, we cannot find our identity in the law. I'm going to say it real simple, too. Not necessarily the law, but I'm going to say this. You don't find your identity in what you do, okay? You know, it may be my calling, but it's not necessarily my dream. Many people say, well, what do you do when they're trying to get to know you, don't they? And you'll go, well, you know, I'm a housewife, or I'm an engineer, or I'm a pastor, or whatever. And, and, and what we do and all. But you cannot find your identity in the law. Many times we know we're saved by grace, but we still try to perform. One of our greatest enemies is trying to perform to gain the favor of God Almighty. You already have his favor. He loves you. He initiated this with you. When the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was God, he, he initiated, he started this whole thing. You can read 1 John, uh, the whole thing, and, and read about that love and, and so forth. But So we can't get our identity out of what we do or in our performance. Because a lot of times we say, well, you know what? I'm drawing closer to Jesus, and my prayer life's better. And, and I'm reading the Bible a little bit more and so forth. And, and down deep, our motive is because these things seem to be getting better. Nothing wrong with that at all. But we somehow sort of ground ourselves on the fact about what we do. And it's not about what we do. It's who we are. We're in Christ. He's in us. And so our identity is found in Jesus. Our destiny is actually found in Jesus. We all have a destiny, right? I pray every day that I would fulfill God's destiny in my life, His purpose and His plan. Not my, my plans, but God Almighty's plan. So our identity is in Jesus. It is within a relationship with Jesus. And when you focus on that, and when you put that as a priority, other things in your life will fall into place. I didn't say that everything would turn out right, but other things will fall into place because our relationship with Jesus Christ is foremost 
and it should be priority in my life and your life here. Second thing, some think that passion is a bad thing. Because why is that? It's because some believe that feelings are a bad thing. And as a result, we deny our feelings, our emotions. So we cultivate the mind at the expense of the heart. We have a tendency to filter out our feelings. And we really need to pray for our feelings. Think about it. You know, um, my prayer, I was thinking about it. Lord, I'm praying about these things and so forth and, and all to, to serve you in, in, a, in a pure manner. And I want my motives to be pure. And so I come before the Lord, and I'm going, Lord, am I praying for these things so that I, I can somehow maybe feel more accepted by you? Or am I praying these things because I really want to be drawn in a deeper relationship with you, you see? You see, you already, again, I go back, you already have the favor of God because you are a child of God. And I'll share with you at the end about this. I'm very encouraging. You already are a child of God. And if we don't know our identity, then the enemy will just beat you up because he'll tell you, you need to perform a little bit more before long. You're doing all these Christian works and you're doing this and that, trying to somehow uh, get the acceptance of God Almighty. He already loves you and he accepts you. He accepts you like you are. Your, your acceptance before God is not based upon your performance. It's based upon what Jesus Christ has done for us. Our identity, again, is in Jesus Christ. And so we sometimes, because of this, you know, I, I can sit in front of, in, in the presence of the Lord and ask the Spirit of God to come and speak to me and, and to rest upon me. And sometimes, you know, I've told you before, sometimes I, I'll just tear up and tears will come down my face. They're tears of a, a mixture of, I think, just the, the reality that God has loved me and he's forgiven me and he's accepted me, but there are also tears of joy in coming. But sometimes our society has denied emotions. And you know, that's how God made us. We are an emotional people. So we need to pray for our feelings. And a lot of times, you know, in our culture too, is somehow directly or indirectly, as far as men are concerned, we're taught that men don't cry. We're taught that subconsciously or directly or whatever because we're macho. We're, we're men. We're out front. We give leadership and so forth, and that's our calling. But we forget about who we are really down deep when everything is taken away and the tenderness of our hearts, you see. We deny those things, our emotions and our feelings, and we must not do that. You know, we must not. In fact, we again, we need to pray that we would be a people. And I'm not talking about basing everything and decisions on emotions or any other theology on emotions. I'm talking about who we were made to be. We're emotional people. And in the presence of Jehovah, let me tell you, there may be weeping, there may be crying, there may be shouting, there may be a lot of different emotions that are expressed as a result of being in the presence of the Lord. Don't deny those things. Now, in John chapter 17, if you ever read it, get a chance when maybe you can read it this week. It's uh, beautiful, and I really believe I call it the Lord's Prayer because Jesus is praying in this prayer. In John chapter 17, uh, verse 26, he speaks of here. And this is the key of what I want to talk about today, and it's very important here. Um, I'll read verse 25 also. Thank you, Jennifer. 
O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you, and these have known, and these have known that you sent me. I've declared your name to them, and will declare it. And the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. I'll read it again. That the love, this is Jesus praying, red letters, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. How many of you know in here the Father loves Jesus passionately, right? Now what would be wrong with us praying that the Father, by the Spirit, would give us an impartation that we would love Jesus the way he loved Jesus? Can you imagine that? That's the prayer. That is the first prayer here. Because our relationship with Jesus is about enjoying a person, Jesus. And the prayer is, Father, grant me the grace to love the Son of God the way you love him. This, I believe, is a prayer that God will answer. Don't stop praying this prayer. There will be a change in your life and your relationship with Jesus. Ask for an impartation of the Holy Spirit for this passion. And remember, everything that we have is mercy is by mercy, the mercy of God. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is giving, giving us what, obviously, unmerited favor. We can't earn it. But mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve damnation. We deserve to be cast out into utter darkness. But by the mercy of God, we are not. So everything we get, because a lot of times the devil will tell you, you know, um, he'll say, look at what's wrong with you. Look how you just blew it here maybe a few moments ago or yesterday or today. Look how the devil, look how, how you have, you know, just really not done what God's called you to do and all these types of things. And see, again, it's not about us, but the devil will tell you that. And, but you've got to remember, we don't deserve any of this, but God loves us in that manner, and he wants us to love him. And it goes back and forth. It's a two, it's the relationship that we have with God Almighty here. Now, Jesus, listen to this, this is my vernacular here, is the Father's hero. Make him the hero of your life. And this may work slowly when you ask, Father, give me grace that I would love the Son of, man, of God the way you love him. Give me grace that I would love Jesus the way you love him. Keep praying it. Something's going to happen. I guarantee it because it's the will of God. And my prayer every day, again, is to have that passion for Jesus and for the Father and the Holy Spirit. Your relationship with Jesus is not based on performance. You may start praying more, reading your Bible more. We need to. Dwelling on the things of God more. Don't rejoice in your commitment to Jesus, but rejoice in Jesus. You know, we get a little bit more committed and do a little bit more because, see, before this thing's over with, you're going to be doing more for the Lord. You're going to be serving Him. I, I mean, just unselfishly because this is how God works. This is what He's doing in the earth today and your life and my life today. Don't rejoice in that commitment getting stronger. Rejoice in Jesus, okay? You can't lose by doing that, all right? Otherwise, again, it will lead you into self-righteousness. 
because what happens is we start serving the Lord and we look at ourselves, we look at others who are not serving the Lord like we are, or what we think they should be and all that other stuff, and we begin condemning them and, and it just brings all this other self-righteousness into it. And it's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about performance. It's about loving Jesus who wants us to enjoy him. It's about loving Jesus. That's what it's all about. Now, the second prayer is, y'all will like this one because of who's it, what this is. John chapter 15. Anybody recognize what's in John 15? <laughs> Verse 15. John 15, verse 15. I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master does. But I have called you friends. For everything that I have heard from my Father have I made known to you. I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Anybody, does that click with anybody about friends and so forth? I heard there was, I heard there was a domination named the friends, evangelical friends denomination. Anybody in here? I've heard about that. Have y'all? <laughs> it's a friend's church here, guys. <laughs> so he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Now, you're thinking, oh, man, wouldn't it be nice to be a friend of Jesus? And I'm going to give you a good illustration here that I think is so uh, wonderful. You know, we, um, obedience is very important as we read here. But our relationship is not about serving him necessarily, not all about serving him. We feel significant when we feel love from him because Jesus' pleasure is in us. And Jesus said, I want you to enjoy me. Now, you know, John, John was Jesus' best friend here. And the term is, a he was the disciple who loved Jesus. Our identity is in the love of God. It's not that Jesus did not love the other disciples, but John was a friend of Jesus. And John was Jesus' best friend. And friendship is not just about love. Jesus trusted John. And if you look, example here would be John chapter 19. You remember what happened? You remember when Jesus was being crucified? And if you look in verses 26 and 27 of John chapter 19, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he, he loved standing nearby, John, he said to his mother, Woman, here's your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time, this disciple took her to his own home. John, obviously, Jesus trusted John. In fact, Jesus entrusted John to take care of his mother. Jesus is on the cross. And so Jesus, or John was a friend of Jesus. Very important to know that. And knowing that there's a friend can be trusted. You have friends. I have friends. I know I can trust some the friends I have when I say this is confidential and you can't let this out and something that, that I'm given permission to share or whatever, but that I don't want it carried on. We don't want gossip. We don't want all that kind of stuff. It's not of the Lord. 
but that I can share these things on my heart with this friend. Don't you have friends like that? Or maybe you would like to have friends like that? A real friend is, is Jesus. John was Jesus' best friend. And so he trusted John to take care of his mother when, obviously, he died and was resurrected and so forth. In fact, you know, John, the Apostle John, was the pastor in the churches of Ephesus. And remember? And there was a whole lot of immorality in the city of Ephesus when this was going on and so forth. And, and there was a lot because they wanted to kill John. The Roman government and, and the leaders wanted to kill John. And remember, many believe that the apostle John was, was uh, dropped into a boiling vat of oil. And he came out, and he wasn't, he wasn't killed. <laughs> and one of the emperors at that particular time wanted to kill him, couldn't kill him. And John, remember, was the one that went on the island of Patmos and wrote one of, I mean, obviously a very prophetic book, the book of Revelation. Apocalyptic is the word, is the theological term, and what they did during, during his time. Jesus, just, I mean, John was his best friend. John stood. He could trust him. And so here's the prayer. Think about it just a minute. You want to ask, pray to become one of the best friends of Jesus. Pray to be one of his best friends, okay? Someone that he can trust you with his presence and trust you with the ministry that he's called you to, and trust you in relationships that uh, he's placed you in, and trust you. That's how I'm praying that, that I'll be a, a friend, one of Jesus' best friends, okay? That's a passion. Don't you know that equates to having a passion for Jesus Christ, right? Two prayers. Praying, Father, by your grace, let me love the Son of God the way you love him, and then... Uh, Father, let me be one of Jesus' best friends. Now, we'll look on down here in prayer number three. This is uh, one of my favorites, Psalm 27, verse 4. Passion for Jesus. I love passion because it's like, you know, intense. I, I, I told y'all, I get a passion about a lot of different things. But sometimes they're not very, they're not spiritual things. I get passionate about this and that. I like cars and all. I, I, I couldn't afford anything except for a Honda, but I got what I thought was, you know, a, a kind of a sporty type of Honda. I, I get passionate about these things. Why can't we get passionate about Jesus? Okay, we can. Pray these prayers. The third prayer here in Psalm 27, verse 4. Y'all have heard me say this prayer before. One thing I ask is David. One thing that I've asked from the Lord, and that will I seek after, for me to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to see the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion, and in the shelter of his tabernacle, he will hide me. He will set me up on a rock. This is for everybody here. Passion for Jesus. What he'll do, he'll hide you. He'll protect you. He'll cover you there in his shelter of his wings, certainly. Now, Father, grant me the grace to gaze, to gaze, is one trans NIV, upon your beauty. This will increase your love for God. 
Let me experience your beauty. I prayed this prayer, and I pray. Let me gaze upon your beauty. But I said, beauty? How can you describe that? Let me give you an example, and it's on here. You know, uh, as parents and uh, grandparents, uh, you have, um, you see your grandchildren and so forth, uh, your children, and you know that that little baby in the womb of the mother started with the sperm and the egg connecting. One cell came together, and then those cells began to multiply. And here, nine months later, that baby comes out, and you look at that baby, and you hold that baby, whether it be parents or grandparents, and you look upon that baby. You ever thought, look at the beauty. Look at the beauty of this baby. That baby, actually, according to the word of God, and Ellen spoke it in Psalm 139, was on the mind and heart of God Almighty from eternity past. I knew you when you were mother's womb. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew this baby. And here you gaze upon the beauty of this baby. You know, your prayer should be here, if you think about it, is, is what dazzles you. Think about it. What's the word? You know what dazzles mean? Boy, it just dazzles you. Like, wow, look at this. Look at this. And he's saying here is the gaze upon the beauty. Let, let the beauty of the Lord just dazzle you. Does that make sense? Just dazzle you. That's my prayer. David said, be dazzled by the beauty of the Lord. You want a passion for Jesus? Ask him to dazzle you with the beauty of Jesus Christ. Amen. A passion for Jesus. That's what I want what i'm asking for and that's why i believe god in his timing will do that you know let me experience your beauty and show me your beauty what you and i don't what you and i do is our assignment it's not a dream you see my dream is to obviously be dazzled by the beauty of jesus okay to be passionately in love you're talking about it. let me cut through it and i'll talk about it it's being in love with jesus it's being in love with him. Be dazzled by the beauty of the Lord. So when you ask to experience these things, I believe God will release that in your heart. When you, you are to ask for a, experience his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, and his affection towards us. Because beauty is what dazzles us. And we're to be dazzled by God's beauty. And ask God to show us how he feels about you. Ask him. And keep on asking, because at some point he'll release that prayer and he'll answer. I believe that with all my heart here. God speaks to us. And again, the devil will tell you that there's too much wrong with you for God to dazzle you. <laughs> Won't he? <laughs> the devil tells you every time, there's too much wrong, Jim. You got, you got too many problems, buddy. You can't be dazzled by the Lord. Come on, you praying this thing for passion for Jesus, a love for Jesus. Like this, come on, it's way too much wrong with you. In fact, you need to get that right before God's going to even deal with you. Come on now. That's not what the Bible says. It's by grace. It's all mercy. It's all grace, isn't it? So, when a newborn baby I talked about comes to the world, God has this child on his mind from eternity past, Psalm 139. And that baby starts with one cell, he grows. God longs to tell us that he delights in us. Amen.
I'm going to share some things and we'll close with this. Does this help with your prayer life? <laughs> you want to know God's will for your life? Then uh, pray these three prayers. Ask for a passion for Jesus Christ. Let me say this. If you're saved in this place today, then you are an overcomer. And let me read. I'm going to share with you about that. The good news is that anyone who is born of God through Jesus Christ, who is a believer and follower of Jesus by faith, is by definition, nature, in action, an overcomer. Now I'm going to read 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his can commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So you may have issues and you may have challenges, but if you're saved and you're sitting here today, you are an overcomer and you've overcome. Now, how do we overcome and continue through that experientially here? In Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do you do it? How do you overcome? First of all, you get a, a God's perspective on who you are in Christ and who he is in you. The second thing is get rid of everything that hinders or encumbers or trips you up. The third thing is run your race with endurance. Don't quit and don't give up. The fourth thing here is fix your eyes on Jesus and the finish line and tackle life, life the way he did, like he did. The fifth thing here is consider Jesus and what he went through as a way to renew your strength and courage. He knows what we've gone through. Because remember, when he is a man here, he was resurrected, but he has a body. He has a resurrected body now, remember? He could eat. Obviously, he could go through walls and stuff, but he could also eat. He has a resurrected body, and we will have one day, as believers, a resurrected body like Jesus. Amen. 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 We have a resurrected body. That's good stuff. And um, so think about what he went through. He knows what you're going through. So nothing surprises him what you're going through right now. Whatever financial challenge or whatever health challenge, whatever particular challenge or whatever, it doesn't make any difference. You are an overcomer. So consider how we overcome. Listen to this. In Revelation 12, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers 
who accuses him before our God day and night, have been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You know what I pray? Every day that this church, and which includes all of you here, would be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And the second thing they overcame with by was by the word of their testimony. You know, we speak forth the plans and purposes, promises and prophetic words of the Lord, especially what God says in Scripture here. Remember what Jesus said when he was tempted? He said, it's written. Go back to the word of God. We overcome the devil. He's accused of the brethren. One day, he will no longer accuse. We'll be in heaven. But right now, he accuses. He tells you, you got too much wrong with you again for God to have anything to do with you. In fact, what he tells you is God's getting ready to cast you aside because you blew it one last time. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You're an overcomer. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. And I'm going to tell you and I'm going to show you here. The good news is that we who are born of God through Jesus Christ, believers and followers of Jesus by faith, here we are. We are overcomers. And we overcome by enduring to the end and surrendering our lives to the Lord. We overcome. If you don't give up, <laughs> you will overcome. Isn't that simple? Don't give up. Don't become apathetic. Don't become saying, oh, this is too hard, you know. This race is too much for me. If you don't give up, you overcome. You can read the book of Revelation, the first several chapters, and the church is there that he goes in. And you can, can come in and say, Lord, get my life right. Let me return to my first love, the book of the church at Ephesus and so forth. But you, if you're born again in here, let, hear me, hear me. If you're born again in this place today, you're an overcomer according to the word of God. And you say, I don't feel like an overcomer. Your feelings are fickle. They're wishy-washy. But I'm telling you the truth. And you got to stand on the truth. The devil was saying, that, hey, come on, you're hungry. Let me feed you. And Jesus said, it's written. He said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Jesus corrected him. And you can correct the devil too. Because he'll say, you're not an overcomer. You really... You know, look at you. You're still a baby in Christ. He tells you that. Look at you. You don't know Jesus. And Jim's talking about this passion with Jesus and all this stuff and, and all that. And I, I, I'm trying to grasp as much as I can. And he goes, you might as well not. Just throw all this stuff away. That's a lie. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror according to the word of God. But the devil, he wants to tell you all types of lies. He's the father of all lies. He's the father of lies. We know that. Come back with him and say, it's written. Nope. First John chapter 5 said, I'm an overcomer. And I know the Father loves Jesus, and I, I'm asking him to love Jesus like the Father does. And I want to be a friend of Jesus. I want to be a friend of Jesus. And I want to be dazzled by his beauty. You think God will answer that prayer? I know he will. And I pray that he'll just, he'll just blow you away with his love because he loves you and me. He loves us beyond anything we can understand. And all what we've gone through in 2018 and in our lives, whatever it is, you know what? The devil wants to bring it up. 
But you want to say, no, it's under the blood. You see, don't go back and rehearse those things that you went through. And maybe you were in sin. Maybe you were. Maybe you're dealing with things right now. And God is saying, it's under the blood. And believe God for that freedom, okay? Christ set us free. God wants his people free. And you know what else he wants? Again, he wants us to be passionately in love with his son Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. And I want that worked by his spirit in my heart. And I want it worked in your heart. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your presence, Lord. You're so good, and we praise you. You're so awesome. There's no one like you, O oh God. And what is man that you're even mindful of us. But Lord, you sent Jesus into the world to die for our sins. And I pray every person here would, down in their heart of hearts, would know they're overcomers. They can overcome whatever they're going through by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and their endurance and just saying, I'm going to trust Jesus. That may your, be your decision today, if it is. Today would be today. Just give your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I want you in my life. I want you. And, and I just want you to come. I need refreshment, Lord. I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. Things have been tough. And I need your encouragement. Lord, I ask you to encourage them. I ask you to encourage every person here today because of Jesus. I want to love Jesus. And I know you do also. It's all about him anyway. It's not about me. It's not about my performance, whether or not I do this good or that, but good, whether I'm a good minister or a terrible minister or whatever. I want to be a good minister under the power of God. But let me tell you, it's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, the whole thing. Again, to just lift your praises to the Lord. Glorify his name because he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. All honor, glory, praise to our, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. Come move in this place. Come move in this place, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come and, and touch people. Come. Your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We honor Jesus this day. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Maybe somebody here too that um, there's just guilt, just guilt because of your past. And uh, God is just taking that away right now in Jesus' name. Just taking that out, that shame. He's washing you clean in the blood of Jesus. Somebody's been dealing with that, and the shame is so heavy that sometimes you wonder what is wrong. God's washing you in the blood of Jesus right now, showing you are forgiven, past, present, and future, because of Jesus. He's taken it away. Some of you may be here and you're wondering, what does life hold for me? Because I am where I am at the particular chronological age that I'm at. You know, I've always reminded that God doesn't even look at our age. He just looks to see if you're available. And we just surrender and say, Lord, I'm available to you. He'll open doors of opportunity that only he can open, that you can serve him and serve others, not out of, obviously, obligation or performance or trying to gain his favor. He already loves you. But just because we want to, Love Jesus Christ with all of our heart. Thank you, Lord.
We ask and speak peace in people's lives right in this place right now that are going through very some turmoil. I speak peace into your heart and life by the power of the Spirit. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to impart peace into the hearts of the people who are in this place that maybe are going through some really struggling times. Peace of Christ. Jesus said, I am your peace. Speak that into your hearts right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. And I, I just, Lord, I pray one thing as, as a pastor of this church in my life and this church's life, that this church would be passionately in love with Jesus. And there would be no other things to get in the way that hinder us that we would be passionately in love with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And we praise you. Lift up your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.